it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 133. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to discuss commodities and oil a little bit. We've not talked about these before, and so we thought we would touch on this subject a little bit. So, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and share your thoughts with me, and we'll have our own little conversation. Okay. Um, so, you know, oil has been awful lately. Have Have you invested in any oil stocks as of late? Uh, not as of late, but uh, about three years ago, I did buy a company called National Oil Well Bar... Oh, <laughs> going to blame him. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Vargo yeah. or something, I think. Yep, yep, yeah. NLV, right? Yeah, NLV. Yep. I did invest in them and I lost uh, a lot of money and then I sold out of it. So <laughs> uh, that was obviously not to the bottom at the time. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember looking um, back in 2013 and seeing that Chevron looked really, really interesting. And if you look at their price chart since then, it's been they've done like absolutely nothing. Um, I had bought a company that was oil services 
And I sold that one at a loss and then it proceeded to double from there. But I think when you look at the majority of oil stocks lately, they've been awful. Um, especially as this bull market has run up through the end of 2019. It seems that every industry is firing on all cylinders except for oil. And not even oil, just when, when you say the energy sector, that kind of encompasses all of that. And so as an investor, you know, obviously we want to try to stay within our circle of competence. Um, and when you start to get into some of the more complex industries, something like natural gas, oil, crude oil, um, things can get complicated. And it's not always as simple as looking at customer behavior or, you know, as an example, I could be somebody who is a certain type of consumer. And so when I see a business doing something that I like, I can kind of take that and and make a general observation that there's probably a lot of other people who are also liking a certain company for their product. And then you can look at the financials and, and that can kind of play out. When you start to look at companies that are more complex or are dependent on other factors such as commodities, um, it can be a little bit more difficult. But I don't think that it needs to be something where necessarily it becomes a thing where we're never investing in these type of companies. I think it's worth taking a look and finding ideas and opportunities. And if we can understand the basics of how commodities work, then um, we can at least have some sort of competence and then you can choose to become, you know, anything from an industry specialist uh, all the way down to maybe someone who's at least aware of what factors are, are contributing to how your commodity business is either profitable or not profitable. And I think that can help uh, when thinking about these type of stocks. So, if we think about commodities and I'm going to try to just kind of break it down and, and see where we can go from there in its most base, simple self supply and demand and the way it moves the price of a commodity is, is kind of simple when there's more supply uh, in a certain commodity, then the price will tend to go down um, as more and more companies compete and more of them enter the marketplace. The price tends to push down. The opposite side of that is demand. And so when there's more of a commodity in demand, that's going to rise, raise the price. And I hope that's kind of self-explanatory and simple to conceptualize. Um, as it refers to oil in, in particular, there have been some events in the past that have either affected the supply or affected the demand, and that has caused the price to kind of go a lot higher than normal or a lot lower than normal. So one, which I wasn't a driver during the time, but Dave, I don't know, maybe you might remember, was it the the seventies or the eighties where there were lines to get to gas stations? That was a little before my driving time, but it was the seventies. Okay. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm old, but I'm not that old. Okay. <laughs> uh, what was the story behind that? Do you know? Um, there was an oil embargo, and the 
price of the gas went through the roof and there wasn't enough gas to go around. And so they, people had to wait in line to fill up their cars. It was a, it was, it was a, yeah, it was pretty stressful. I, you know, I, I didn't drive, but I remember my parents being kind of upset about it. Yeah. So perfect example, supply gets constrained and then kind of, Along with that, with the irony of now when something's more scarce, it almost makes demand go even greater because now people are probably freaking out and everybody's trying to get their gas all at once. And so you're like squeezing the price from both sides and that's really pushing it higher. So those type of, I mean, that's like an extreme example, but those type of forces are kind of counteracting or, or all pushing against a price of a commodity and in real time, as it goes along, um, you'll see these price fluctuations and that can do really big things or bad things for the companies that are participating in it. I'll give one more example because this is very recent and it has to do with a stock in my portfolio. So one of the dividend fortresses, let's see, how can I explain this without giving away the stock? So they had, a um, African swine flu that broke out in China. And I think it was something three or to six months ago. Basically it, it decimated um, the pork, po- the pig population in China. And it might have been a major contributor to why they, at least as of today, they've agreed to a phase one deal that has involved China purchasing a lot of agricultural products from the United States. And so that's another example of because all of those pigs died, there was a huge drop in supply and that really pushed the price of, um, what do they call them? I think they call them pork bellies really pushed it up. And so because of that, any stock, um, any stocks, that produce that commodity, you'll see them get a huge boost on Wall Street as it's clear to see once those prices of what they produce go higher, then they can much easily have a much easier way to to um, get more profits and really push those profit margins higher. And then, you know, the fallout ramifications of all of that with the new agreement regarding agricultural products pushed up a stock like the one I owned and a lot of the other stocks in other industries that benefit from such a deal. So you can have a lot of these different events, um, different developments. It can be weather, it can be um, disease. Like in this case, it can be a war politics, um, some fire and explosion, anything like that can really have a huge impact on the price of a commodity because if it throws off the imbalance, creates an imbalance between supply and demand, then they can really push prices up uh, one way or the other. And then over the long term, you have all of these forces kind of pulling together. And so when you talk about uh, big long-term trends, um, consumer behavior trends, the way that business is done and, and different innovations and how those change industries, then those longer term trends can pull commodity prices higher or lower 
over the long term. And that also has a major effect on different stocks and businesses and their profitability. And so while I think you look at a stock that's a commodity, you can't know exactly what is going to be the main driver behind its price. Um, But I think you can get a general sense of, at least from a historical standpoint, what has pushed the price one way or the other over the long term and maybe will that continue or not. And I think that's a thought that needs to go into your head when you're looking at a stock that is primarily based on commodity products such as oil, lumber, um, any sort of those companies. Is that when it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card worth more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Am I missing anything from there? Like, did I lose the audience, do you think, at any point? No, I don't think so. I think that all made sense to me. I guess a, a couple questions I have, if I could. Yes, please. Okay. So when you're thinking about commodities and you're trying to determine investing in a company that deals primarily with a commodity, let's say like an oil company, do you have to 
not only understand the, what the business does and how they do what they do, but you also have to factor in the ebbs and flows of the commodity world. And does that add more or less risk to the investment? Yes, you have to have a PhD. And if you don't know how oil <laughs> is produced, no. Uh, <laughs> Okay, but I will say this, like to be fair, I am not a commodity investing expert by any stretch. I've had my different stocks that I bought and that produce commodities. Uh, one has done very, very well. That has been with Timber. Uh, I had that oil services ec- equipment company that didn't do so well. Uh, you didn't do so hot. But you know, I think these are all things to consider. What's interesting is I think a lot of the conversation goes towards consumer facing brands and, and, um, those stocks. And there's not much talk about commodities. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, this economic cycle too. So I, I don't, I don't want to give like, because I don't feel, that like I'm not like the commodity guy, so I don't think I I'm at a position where I can give hard and fast rules and say that you need to do this or you don't need to do that. What I'm hoping to kind of spurn is is like another idea, another thought process of if I can understand this a little bit better, then maybe I can take those next steps towards investing in these type of companies. So. Something else that kind of pops into my mind to kind of having that thought process and having that discussion with yourself when it comes to these uh, commodities is really. So something you can also observe that that's been true for for many decades, there's no guarantee that this that this is going to happen over the future, but uh, as the stock market tends to go up, commodity prices tend to fall and vice versa. So they have what you call an inverse correlation. The the lo- the best way I can logically explain it is uh what a lot of businesses are they have a cost to do business, right? So if you're um you know selling t-shirts then the cost of cotton is is going to impact your profits. And um you know, this kind of goes throughout with the whole economy and, and everybody's different products and services. So when commodity prices are lower, then a lot of the companies that use those commodities to make their products, uh, they'll have less costs involved with that business. And so their profits will tend to be higher. And that just really increases the money supply. Uh, and kind of talking about some of the economic forces we've talked about in the past, it can really snowball and compound and really make the money supply across the whole economy grow. And so that obviously, what do you think that does to stock prices? It'll push them higher. And so on the flip side, you kind of see it work in the other way too. Uh, commodity prices get more expensive. You add the factor that um, when things are fearful and when the stock market is not doing well, people tend to value hard assets more than, you know, like a paper asset, like a stock, which is more intangible. They, they like things like gold, silver. They like, um, any, any commodity really, uh, is, is also a hard asset. And so, 
uh, investors t- tend to like that. And there's, uh, you know, those pressures on margins and the different things that push some companies out of business also can push commodity prices higher. Because going back to the previous conversation, when you are lowering supply, you're pushing that price higher. And so as supply is dropping and, and companies are dropping out of the race, so to say, that can push the commodity price higher. So it's not an exact science in the sense that it's there's no guarantee that, oh, the stock market went up, commodities are going to go down, vice versa. But um, over many years, it's been observed that generally you can see this kind of phenomenon. So I think it becomes an even more interesting thought is when I am determining which stocks I want to buy. And if, as an example, in my scenario, let's say I can't find a dividend fortress to save my life. I can't find a good brand name um, that's trading at a decent price because the ones I have bought have gotten up and, and been pushed up nicely. And the ones that um, I haven't bought maybe are just still too expensive or the brands that are around that are cheap are just terrible businesses, terrible brands. So it's like, you know, what's an investor to do at, at that point? And so maybe it's it's prudent to look for those type of commodity businesses, understanding that, hey, it's not going to be... Like in my mind, I don't know. In my mind, I think the 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 shelf life of a commodity type business is is lower the competitive advantages of a commodity type business are really going to have to do with scale um so you know a lot of it is competing to the to the bottom and and just competing on price and so when you have a bigger business and uh bigger systems, right? And and more efficiencies than the bigger you are, the the better you can compete. Um over the long term, it's it's I think it's hard to maintain that kind of a competitive advantage. Um and something like a brand or something that's consumer facing is is better longevity wise. But I think depending on where you are in, in the economic cycle or the stock market cycle, I think there's a lot of opportunity for some commodity type plays to to be good quick kind of um value unlockers you know places where you're looking for a margin of safety and you're hoping that margin of safety closes up really quick so that you can uh make some gains and move on so that that those are the thoughts to to not answer both of your questions at all. Those are the thoughts that, that go through my mind when I think of what are some of the risks with commodities, what are some of the basics, but also where, where are the opportunities. And I think as an investor, if you're going 100%, I'm going to ignore commodities or 100% into commodities. I think both approaches are bad, but I think it's it, it's a good diversifier to have some commodity producers in there and and maybe you know, not not having the the heaviest weight if you're not 100% confident on the industry, but having some exposure, and, and and if it still falls within all of your principles and fundamentals, then you know, then that that has even better chances of of doing well outside of 
of all the other thoughts and, and discussions that would go along with it. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Well, I think that's interesting. and I, I think the... Uh, I know you got uh, some inspiration from an article you read recently in Barron's from Peter Lynch, and he was talking about uh, commodities and energy in particular and oil in particular as something that he was interested in. And I think as we were talking about this, it kind of makes sense that somebody like him who's more of a value-oriented type investor would be looking at an industry that's been beaten up and it. I think commodities and oil in particular probably would definitely fall into that category. Uh, and just like, you know, I feel like financials have been beaten up for a while. I think probably that would be something that he would want to investigate. And I think it's, you know, a great place for you to maybe dip your toes in and see what you can learn and see what would be an interesting idea for sure. And that's where a lot of these people that we really look up to like to fish, so to speak, is where other people aren't fishing. Uh, that's the best place to go to try to find new ideas. Those are, yeah, those are great points. Both Peter Lynch and Warren Buffett, they're kind of both known for buying into stocks that continue to grow, right? Peter Lynch is the big growth investor, but he also looks for value, like you said, and he talked about how he thinks there's a lot of different oil stocks that have the potential to triple um, very, very quickly in, in the next couple of years. And Buffett, too. Like, he he's loading up. I, I don't want to say loading up because that, that word sounds um, maybe more descriptive than it is. But he's he definitely has his his weighting in banks, right? So he sees yep. he sees the the pessimism around banks and you know he's really well known for coca-cola and that great growth story that it was but he definitely also likes to play in um the place where everybody's kind of fearful and so yeah i think when you look at both of those two investors they're great examples of that where they're not 100% value they're not 100% growth they're taking what the market's giving to them. And if the market's giving to them a Coca-Cola, he's loading up on Coca-Cola. If he, if it's giving them financials, he's, he's, he's finding those, those great discounts and, and closing some quick profits. So I think it's, I think it's worth looking at oil in particular at this time, or let's say the energy sector in particular. And the, the thing that I just want to echo that Lynch said that is making me again. I'm just looking at looking at it and, and finding ideas, but it's not like I'm going all out tomorrow and, and buying a bunch of these stocks. But he said that the way that Wall Street is perceiving the energy industry right now is that everybody thinks that electric cars are going to be 100% implemented tomorrow. He says there's still a very big utility for crude oil. Um, dirty oil, right? Coal, um, the 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 type of old economy energy sources. There's still a lot of use for them in the next twenty years, and so, like I've certainly put some plays in my portfolio that kind of go against oil, you know. And I think the trend 
eventually is is to completely sustainable alternative energy, clean energy, all of those sorts of things. But if the opportunity right now uh, with the way it's been so beaten up is saying that, hey, maybe in the next five years, this is a great opportunity, then I think it's worth mixing that in. And, and you know, I think it's, as I get more and more experience as an investor, I think um, what I'm trying to do is is have those different kind of mixtures. And so when you think about the first find a portfolio, it's not just with particular stocks, but it's also with what you hope the stock does. So maybe I hope this stock can give me above average return over the next three to five years versus another stock that I hope will give me 30 years of growing dividends. Those are two both very different results and they're going to have they're going to need two different types of businesses in two different types of economic conditions and so i think mixing a lot of those in you're not always going to know which stocks going to go which way or which business is going to perform exactly as you like but i think spreading your bets enough where you have opportunities to hit one way or the other i think it's a smart thing and i think it's worth considering I would check out Jim Rogers' book, Hot Commodities. It's something he wrote years ago, um, but it it's definitely helps get insight onto how these hard assets like commodities, how, how they work, and uh, just go more in-depth into that and, and get a better understanding. I think that's a, that's a helpful book, and it has been for me so far. Awesome. All right. Great. All right. Well, folks i think that's going to wrap up our discussion tonight on commodities and i hope you learned something i know i did and it was very interesting for me so without any further ado i'm going to go ahead and sign us off you guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety emphasis on the safety have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week all right as a side note folks we are going to be closing our investing for beginners masterclass on january 3rd so this will be your last chance to take a stab at it if you are a beginner and looking for a great place a foundation to kind of start this is going to be a great place to start and if you're like me and you are looking for a place to kind of fill in some gaps this would also be a great choice for you as well so without any further ado i'm going to go ahead and sign us off again and you guys have a great week hope you had a great new year and a great holidays and we'll talk to you next week we hope you enjoyed this content seven steps to understanding the stock market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.